Welcome to Spirit Behind the Screen. Each episode, your host, Marty McCurdy, deep dives on industry trends around high reliability electronics and the supply chain in aerospace and defense. This is episode four, the final part of Marty's talk with Zef Malik about the role of product testing in the supply chain. Manufacturing lot does not yield well early on in the process. It will never do well in the long-term performance as well. So the industry focus always shifted towards early failure rate, in-process failure rate, and out went, the, out went the concept that the military wanted, which is to just keep on inspecting quality in, auditing quality in, rather than building quality or designing or designing it so now at the design process where it is designed for manufacturability where it is tested for manufacturability where it is simulated for performance where it is tested for performance where it is modeled for performance where it is modeled for radiation uh, immunity and all that the manufacturers have become very successful in taking one base material and obviously they will try to produce the highest possible yield and the output on that base, base material and get the biggest possible yield optimization so they can make the best possible profit. The practices are there to yield and to perform and make a reliable product, understanding that if they have in-process failures early on, the long-term reliability of that product is questionable. So the mindset is, let me control the process, let me do it right, let me not audit, let me not inspect quality, let me build it in. Okay? So in that concept, the customer will meet all the requirements and the intent that the military documents and the specifications and everything had, had intended to. Example is some of the highest level of the military documents prohibit rework. A commercial customer will never tolerate, a commercial manufacturer, sorry, will never tolerate a rework because if they have to rework, they might as well throw that lot away and start again. Because something in the process in the needs some, improved. Exactly. So, so the maturity and the predictability and the process distribution and the process corner, corners and what we may use in engineering is a word called process capability, what we call CPK. So the military wanted the process distribution to fall under a certain distribution of bell curve, but to, to maintain the yield, to maintain the profitability, to maintain in-process control and not have to check everything, the manufacturer is trying to get the complete distribution of the bell curve and have a, a distribution that is targeted and optimized without any in-process failures. So the intent of what the military wanted to do is being met by no rework, no in-process loss, uh, not a whole lot of auditing, but a whole lot of test validation. However, when you work with an accredited distributor that understands what the OEM is using in terms of flows, streamlined practices, uh, checks, balances, gates, in-process, test, simulation, verification, audit, periodic qualification, generic qualification. Once you understand the entire flow 
or what the manufacturer is going to, which is only what we are privy to because of their, their relationship, you start understanding that the global intent of the, the military documents is met. So our goal becomes that we know exactly what the intent is of a procurement cycle, be it a B-grade material, be it a QML material, be it a space-grade material, be it a deep space material, be it a body implant material, be it a medical material, be it an advanced uh, automation uh, or, 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 or automotive product. We understand that what those documents mean because our basic job is to always in entirety of the customer's flow down requirements, understand, read, comprehend, and then the newest service that we provide or extension that we provide is that we try to match what the document is after to what the manufacturer is producing and bridge the gap with the intent, some validation, some paperwork check, some pedigree control, some customization and, and, and redundancy of audits and verification by the manufacturer. And if yet there is something minor deficient, we want to add value to it rather than revalidate it. So the concept is to basically add value where there was a deficiency rather than the old practice of re-auditing and revalidating because that practice holds no merit. That is where we bring in the, uh, the difference. Great, I agreed. I think the, the right terminology is bridging the gap, right? So we know that in any test program uh, that exists and, and when a, a manufacturer starts to create a, a new product for the marketplace, go through qual, we know that they characterize the part in electrical performance. And then once it goes into production, they truncate that down to about a 35% coverage because they know the part well enough that this is sufficient to guarantee that the product coming to the market is going to meet all the parameters within the data sheet. But once our customer base in the military and space uh, arena get it, they want a little bit more coverage. So when you talk about bridging the gap, it really is what you are explaining is you're taking what we know, you know intimately about the OEM process and what we know the customer wants basically in a, let's call it a PEMS qual, and we're really bridging that gap to cover 99.9% .9 of all customers, not specific you know, individual customers redundantly doing these quals over and over and over and spending all this money. We're really dialing it into the, the PEM qual world to say, look, this is, this is what we're capable of doing in that bridging of the gap. I, uh, yes, we can call it bridging of the gap, but I, I would like to add the word here that, that what we are doing is not revalidating or going back and resetting the concept of technology. The conventional bank walls and conventional validation and everything was designed for verification. But imagine that if I am making a supercar and if somebody wants me to add another 15 more horsepower to it across a certain temperature, I cannot just go ahead and try to tune that car not knowing the entire software, the algorithm, the dynamics and the performance and the manufacturing of the car. This cannot be done by a garage shop or a repair shop. It has to be done by somebody that has continuity and extension of the same techniques same methodology, same practices, and understand where the manufacturer left off 
and what we need to build upon. As a so, performance shop. Exactly. So please, bridging the gap is not about deficiency. The bridging the gap is, perhaps is the wrong word I'm using, is that I am saying that we enhance and, and migrate on the other side. We are not resetting the technology. We are not going backwards. We are enhancing or, or getting the extra oomph out of that where the manufacturer leave, left off using and understanding the manufacturing practices so that we add incremental value rather than just an unnecessary audit that is irrelevant and may not yield what the manufacturer knows needs to be done. And similarly, if I am going to validate a supercar, if I am not able to test the supercar the way the manufacturer will do it in a wind tunnel or on a dyno or on a racetrack, or if I don't have the right tools to be able to split one hundredth of a second of performance enhancement, I will never know that this, the supercar has done or accepted what I was intended to do. So it's not only just about validating, it's about continuing where the manufacturer left off. So getting the right tools, the right apparatus, the right paperwork, the right understanding, the right understanding of the design, and is very critical of adding value. We want to add value and enhance the performance to increase the insurance and the confidence, uh, confidence factor of what we are using. We just don't want to rubber stamp something not knowing what we are adding value to just because a specification wanted us to do more than a 25% functional testing. Right, exactly. Uh, speaking to a speed demon, we're always about winning the race. Absolutely. <laughs> so Zef, to continue on discussing how the, you know, any product that's getting the enhancement of the performance going, I think it's very critical, especially in you know our marketplace nowadays with our supply chain and, and our tariffs with China, et cetera, is that um, procurement uh, and managing an unbroken supply chain is key. So if you are coming to an authorized distributor that's offering this value-added performance as a service, um, talk to me a little bit about how that gives you an added insurance on, you know, basically not having any kind of handling issues, uh, you know, problems at outside sources of other test labs. Plus, at the end of the day, we offer the warranty until the qual is finished, which is unique because if not, then somebody touches it, the warranty's void, and now you have a couple million dollars of parts that are of no value. So can you speak a little bit about the the advantage of the unbroken supply chain in this methodology. The differentiation we bring to the equation is primarily as compared to all the other distributors that we have a team that clearly understands and will read everything in the procurement source control drawing of the procurement document to understand what the customer is after, what is the intent, what program, what is the expected reliability, what are the expected targets, and what is it that the final device going to the customer should look like. Once we know that, the differentiation that we are bringing to the equation is that we, our job is to basically meet the full intent and try to find something where we believe our methodology and our practices can be very beneficial for the customer monetarily, time, performance, 
inventory control, inventory management and all that. Because once we are able to, as a distributor, technically, we are not just order fulfilling, we are technical program managers that are understanding what the specification and the procurement requirements are. We may ask you about the system, we may ask you for immediate use, we may ask you for a total life cycle requirement, we may ask you how, much spare, how many spares you need, we may ask you how many engineering samples you need. It may seem redundant, but remember, we are taking a global look at this, at this procurement cycle. Once we do a global look, once we understand what your requirements are, and once we are able to figure out how our OEM is working in terms of manufacturing, sample sizes, lot sizes, wafer control, wafer traceability, source control traceability and all that, our job is to give you in the, in the bigger picture all the controls that you are seeking for, but at a global view, not just at the one-time procurement. What is the implication there? The implication is you may need to do one value added up screening rather than numerous. You may have to do one validation or one re-verification or revalidation between your engineering samples and your production samples. You may have to do one radiation analysis on one pedigree rather than 10. You may be able to store something indefinitely into your box stock, understanding that what you have is good for X number of years. So if you look at the bigger picture, what we have saved you is not only a rapid amount of time to market, time to introduction, time to validation, we have saved you humongous cost in inventory, procurement, sample sizes, order, pedigree control, date code control, and the secondary validation that you may have ended up doing just because you had a pedigree or a source control supply chain that was not predictable. So this is where we come in. We can box stock, we can buy, we can control, we can hold, we can buy a life cycle, we can buy a life history, we can buy your lifetime supply, to where you are guaranteed that your system and your life cycle has only a few predictable pedigrees. So what the military wants for is traceability and compliance and be able to find out and trace if something goes wrong but it is all available at rapid pace here because we know exactly what we got for you. So it's not only streamlining, it is a significant, significant, we cannot quantify it, but if, if somebody internally was to take a global look at their system practices, what we are suggesting and what we are offering over the life cycle of the procurement possibly gives them a 5x or a 10x manufacturing and pricing efficiency over time, okay, and that is, that is global. Yes, that is global. I, I agree. And, and the best part is that every manufacturing lot, every time the customer uses this thing, the predictability of performance of what they assembled one year ago or six months ago or two years ago will always be predictable, okay? That is what we bring to the equation. Yeah, I like it, and, and really just to kind of break it down into the simplest of flows is that if you are doing the standard PEMS qual third party uh, upscreening kind of thing, you buy the parts, you own them, you send them to the third party test lab, the qual can pass, not pass, but basically you own them regardless of the outcome. And that process in any given time frame for uh, software development to test a part, 
um, hardware to test the part on the ATE, do any kind of burn-in. All of the NRE and hardware behind that is literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, but more importantly, it's about a, a six to nine month process depending on what kind of screening and qualification the customer wants. And let's just stick to the standard PEMS qual that we're kind of discussing. Is that if you go down this road, not only are they literally off the shelf, but now you don't have to wait the nine months to go through the NRE hardware software timeline plus the screening and qual that could possibly fail. Now you're buying exactly what you want off the shelf, not the additional quality parts, uh, qualification parts that are not going to be flight units. So in the end, the schedule impact and the amount of parts you're purchasing, as you're saying, is key. And they can continue to buy that year over year repeatedly and, and uh, predictably basis buying a, a new lot each time, screening and calling the lot each time between now and the end of the, of the program that this particular part is on. Is that kind of wrapping it up as a whole? That, that I think sums it. I mean, uh, the, the current documentation and specs and PEM calls are designed to take a snapshot with no time defined to it. It does not even mandate the the source, the origin, the pedigree, the date control of manufacturing, the window of manufacturing and all that. And yes, they are a good understanding of the manufacturing capability of the manufacturer, which the manufacturer is doing it anyway to, to get the best optimization. We believe that there should be a relevance on what you test should represent production. What you validate should represent production. What you play with, Engineering sample should, re should, should replicate and validate the, the manufacturability. So the idea is we bridge the gap to where if we give you a qualified lot, one, your warranty is not void. Secondly, it may be the same pedigree control. Third, you may have to only do it once. Fourth, if this thing passes, your entire manufacturing output for the entire program has passed. Fifth, we give you one part number. You don't have to do multiple part numbers before and after. Lastly, if anything goes wrong, if anything fails, you are never at jeopardy because we are going to own it. Super. I think that really is a, a great outline of, of how to, what we say, own the qual. Thanks for listening with Spirit this week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to let us know what you want to hear about in aerospace and defense. You can find out more about Spirit's value-added services and product lines at spiritelectronics.com.